0: Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is rather to be chosen. Now, do you notice it doesn't say given, is rather to be chosen. You and I will choose what we have, a good name or whatever else. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and to be held in loving favor or esteem rather than silver and gold. In other words, it says if we have to choose between having great riches or silver and gold against a good name, It's much more important to have a good name. Again, I said in Ecclesiastes, it says a good name is better than precious ointment or expensive perfume. It's better to be good than to smell good, I think is what Solomon is trying to tell us there. And a good name can be dependent upon to consistently do what is legally and morally right, whatever the cost. Now, there are times when people will do what is legally and morally right if it doesn't cost them very much. But if it costs them something, many times they're not willing to pay the price. And that means they don't have a good name. And the reason it's so important is because what we do reflects upon the Father, our Heavenly Father. Psalm 23, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We are epistles read of all men, the Word of God says. Now it's one thing for them to know that we have a good name just because we live in town, that we're supposed to be citizens But when they come to you and say, why are you different from other people? Why do you do these things differently than other people? The scripture says, then you point them to the Lord. Let them see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I do it because I love Christ and He's living in my heart. And I want to be pleasing to the Father. And that's why it's so very important for us to understand that the enemy's job is to destroy our name, to put us down in the mud. How many times have you had people say, I'll never go to church again as long as I live because there's hypocrites in the church. They've run into someone somewhere along the line where they didn't have a good name. And again I say, it says it's to be chosen because every man decides what kind of a name he'll have somewhere along the line. If you and I have a bad name somewhere along the line, we settled to have a bad name. Something came up where we had an opportunity to rectify our name or our reputation and we said it's not worth the cost. And consequently, we don't have a good name. And to have one, you've got to set it as a high priority. You've got to say that's one of the most important things. Like Solomon said, it's more important to have that than great riches. And to tell you the truth, many of the people today that have great wealth don't have a good name. I started in teaching five different ways in which Satan tries to get us to compromise. The first one was what? Immorality. It's one of the greatest problems today in the ministry. Satan knows if he can shoot down the leaders in the churches, he's got the churches going in the right direction. And immorality is rampant in many of the churches today because somewhere along the line, they've been willing to make a little compromise. Or people have come into leadership where they have lived in immorality and have broken God's commandments in many areas. And when leadership does it, that gives excuse for everyone else to do it. Secondly, I said, by becoming involved with dishonest practices, and I gave illustrations last week, Now tonight I want to talk to you about the third way that he gets us to compromise is to compromise our convictions to gain money. Compromise our convictions to gain money. It's the third way in which Satan tries to get Christians to compromise. There are many, many people today in the business world and some of them who even profess to be Christians. And what's happened, normally speaking, they wouldn't do this, but something that was just a little bit bigger of a temptation than they were used to Pressures were just a little bit heavier than they thought they were going to be. Finances were just a little bit tighter than they expected to have happen. Caused them to step over and compromise their convictions... ...in order to gain a little bit of money or gain a little bit of time... ...or be able to keep from going under completely... ...or lose their reputation or whatever. And in that moment they fall and they'll compromise their convictions... ...and just about that time they get caught. And this is exactly the way Satan tries to do in our lives. He'll try to find an area where you and I have a conviction... And he will put all the pressure he can on that conviction to find out if it's a preference or if it's a real conviction. If it's a real conviction, it doesn't make any difference how tight the finances become. If it's conviction, God is our source. And we say, Lord, we refuse to compromise on this thing. We're going to do what you want us to do and the way you want us to do it. There are some large businesses today who have in the past advertised and declared that the leadership were born-again believers there are hotel chains today that declare that their leadership are Christians and they are selling alcoholic beverages in their dining rooms and so forth. You see, to them, it may not be a conviction. It becomes just a preference for them personally not to have it, but they will sell it if other people want to buy it. And you know, in the Old Testament, the Word of God says, if I either drink it or if I serve it to others and it harms others, that I'm just as guilty. But you see, there's a tremendous amount of money in alcohol today you don't believe me, just look at the advertisements today in the newspapers and magazines and television and radio everywhere. They can out-advertise everyone, but they'll compromise. It's an amazing thing to me how the legislature in our state capital sit around and argue about the age of drinkers, whether it should be 19, 20, or 21, and at the same time, they're just so glad to get all these revenues from alcoholic beverages in the state of Florida. And at the same time, they're crying about all these young teenagers that are going out and killing themselves. They say, well, there have been other states where they have raised the age and the teenagers are still killing themselves. But they use all these arguments. And they really don't want to get rid of alcoholic beverages for our young people. And the alcoholic companies certainly do not want to get rid of their young people as clients because if they can get them hooked when they're younger, they're going to be their customers for life. And again, I say to you, it is amazing to me how any man in business would love to have a business where he's ashamed of his best customers, but they always are. You think about it now, their best customers are ashamed to them. But you see, men are willing to compromise their convictions to gain money. Look at Proverbs 15, 16. For some people think the best thing in the world is to have a lot of money. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. (laughs) better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith let me just share with you get a conviction down in your heart as to what God's word has to say and in your business life in your social life in your school life in your home life don't let it be a preference at any cost if this is your conviction stand on it now there will be people that will criticize you there will be people that will say all sorts of nasty things about you There'll be people that'll call you bigoted and narrow-minded and prejudiced and legalistic and all these other things. They'll nail you to the wall every time they can. But it's better to have little because of the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and trouble therewith. And you know, whenever we're criticized, we have to go and say, is what I'm doing based upon and consistent with God's Word? If it is, then it's time for me to have a party and rejoice and jump around and shout and get glad because great will be our reward in heaven when they persecute us for righteousness' sake. Another area of compromise that comes up very often today, and they're trying to stop it in the country, is what they call pyramid schemes. Of course, that's one. And then another one is the area of gambling. I've seen people who have professed to have come to Christ, who have been deeply involved in gambling, and have never had a change in their life nor any change of conviction concerning it in their life. And I always said, mark it down somewhere along the line, you'll see them either move out of it or move away from the Lord. You cannot stay with the two. You cannot stay bound by that and still go on walking close to the Lord. But you see, sooner or later, if you get involved in things that are not according to scriptural principles, things are going to crumble around you. In fact, the Word of God says that when you get money from it, it doesn't last very long. It'll just be like pouring it down a rat hole. You say, where does it say that? Well, look at Proverbs the twenty-eighth chapter, verses twenty and twenty-two. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. That means he who tries to get rich quick shall not be innocent. It means he who hastes to get rich shall quickly fail. And then in verse twenty-two, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Now, by the way, let me stop right now and tell you that it doesn't mean that God doesn't want Christians to find opportunities to be successful in business. He wants you to make sure, though, that the principle that's involved does not compromise Christian convictions, does not hurt other people who are under you. The fourth way is to form unscriptural partnerships. Form unscriptural partnerships. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses fourteen and fifteen. Be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? The only time you can know that you're not unequally yoked is when you can get two brothers together and say, we agree and we have convictions, basic convictions that are the same concerning God's Word and our biz- business principles. I believe that many churches today, the biggest problems they have is they're unequally yoked in leadership, unscriptural partnerships. But these are areas where Satan is going to try to work on you as an individual. He's going to try to work on you as a business. He's going to try to work on you and your home. He's going to try to work on the church. And you've got to know what your conviction is and to stand on it at any cost. A good name is better than riches, even better than expensive perfume. It's better to be right than to smell right. Amen. Most valuable asset. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and to be held in loving of favor or esteem rather than silver and gold. In Ecclesiastes 7.1, it says, A good name is better than precious ointment or expensive perfume. And we've talked about the fact that the reason a good name is so important is because you and I are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. When an ambassador does something that is not kosher, as far as moral standards or social standards are concerned, it reflects upon the nation that he represents. And the Word of God tells us very clearly that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and that when people look at us, we are epistles written and read of all men, and that when men look at us and see our good works, it should reflect and glorify our Father which is in heaven, so we don't do anything as believers just for ourselves as unto ourselves. We're never an island unto ourselves. Once we've professed Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, we become little Christs. Others look at us and say, if that's Christianity, well, I either want it or I don't want it. And I said a good name means that when someone speaks of you, you can be depended upon to consistently do what is legally and morally right, whatever the cost. Somebody says of you, well, if he said it or she said it, you can just mark it down. It'll be just exactly the way they said it. And that's why it's Satan's job to destroy that quality within us. He does everything he possibly can. And it says he goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And An interesting feature I read the other day concerning an old lion, they said in most instances a lion could never catch the prey that they chase after. But in most instances when the lion roars, that roar is so deafening and so electrifying that the thing that it roars at is frozen in fear and can't move. And that's why the lion catches them most of the time. It isn't because he could catch them. It's because when that roar comes out so loudly, it just literally freezes the creature that he's coming after. And I thought, isn't that interesting that the Bible says that as a roaring lion, he's going around trying to freeze us with fear and trying to defeat us and trying to keep us from being everything that God wants us to be. So we said there are five ways Satan wants us to compromise. First of all, he'd like to have us become involved in immorality. Secondly, to become involved with dishonest practices. Thirdly, I said he wants you to compromise convictions to gain money. Last week I talked about what? Forming unscriptural partnerships. And I said to you then that it's possible to be in business or in partnership with another Christian and still be unequally yoked. If you don't have the same Bible convictions. Because everything you do in a partnership reflects on the total partnership. And everything your partner does reflects upon you. You know, the scripture says that men perish because of a lack of knowledge. That's why we need to study the principles of God's word. We can stay out of an awful lot of trouble if we know what God's word says. If we can operate by biblical principles, we can stay out of trouble because the Lord will always be there to protect us and keep us. You know, some people say, well, ignorance is bliss. It really isn't. I'm so thankful now that I know that we have authority over all the powers of darkness. Let me tell you, you know, it's also possible to bring ourselves into bondage by going too far in any direction. And there's some people that believe this positive confession thing to the point where if you accidentally let something slip out of your mouth, well, God's had this great big bundle. He's just ready to drop down your lap and all of a sudden he says, you just lost that, I won't give that to you. Well, I don't believe that. I mean, God says, the scripture says, as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. And there's some people that literally go around in fear. Oh, what I say? Did I say the wrong thing? Could I possibly have said the wrong thing? When did I ever say the wrong thing? I must have said, must have said the wrong thing. It didn't come. And it's just as easy to get into bondage over that as it is in the other direction. We have to be careful see the devil's job is to drive us to extremes there's a truth in all of these things and we've got to be careful we don't get on either end of that branch because when we do we usually get out there and then somebody cuts the branch off on us and we fall but the last point that i want to bring out to you tonight is that the last area where satan wants us to compromise is to refuse to or neglect to correct past violations or sins against the lord to refuse to or neglect to correct past violations. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you've ever knowingly and willfully sinned against the Lord or your family or your relatives or your neighbors or your employers or your teachers or former friends or anyone else and you knowingly have done it and have failed to resolve it, you have come into a place of compromise where the enemy has got an opportunity to begin to defeat you. First thing it'll do is it'll dampen your witnessing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ or conduct in Christ the first thing that can happen when you and I will allow willful sin and we do not deal with it or we neglect to deal with it or refuse to deal with it is we come into a place where we have a damper on our witnessing ability. We'll come around and every time we start to witness the devil will say to us, oh yes, it's, who in the world do you think you are witnessing right now? I mean, do you, do you remember what you did the other day? you remember what you said the other day? you remember how you handled that thing the other day? You wait till somebody finds out what you did in that situation over there and it just quiets it down. And that's why he loves to get us to compromise somewhere along the line. And then he'll say, well, don't do it right now. You know, put it off. You can always take this care of this thing. You can get this thing settled. Or he'll say, if you do go back and try to get that straightened out, this will happen and that will happen, the other thing will happen. And, and you just, oh, I should, but I, well, I can't. Well, if I would, this is right. And all these imaginations start building up against the knowledge of the Word of God. And that's when you have to start pulling down some strongholds when you finally determine that you're not going to let these things go on. You're not going to let these compromises go on. These former unconfessed sins go on. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sins if we will do that. If we will do that, he'll forgive and cleanse from all unrighteousness. Now, if we won't, we have opened ourselves to the attack of the enemy. And guilt will affect all of our future decisions how important it is to have a clear conscience toward God and all the things the enemy will do to try to stop you. For example, if you get involved in immorality, the devil will make it look so beautiful to you, and will make it look so appealing to you, it just looks so wonderful, and once you've stepped over that barrier and have committed a, an immoral act, first of all, he'll begin to condemn you and make you feel filthy, and then every time you come around and start to witness to someone, you just in the back of your mind, the enemy says, what if they'd ever find out about that? And all the time he was saying, oh, that'll satisfy you so much. And when you're three, you say, oh, that didn't satisfy at all. Now I feel even worse. I'm even more miserable. And it continues to just bear down on you and bear down on you. There are a lot of young people that get caught up in, in immoral habits. And they think that there's going to be, you know, satisfaction and happiness in those areas. And before long, the devil just got them running on a treadmill of guilt and they have a terrible time trying to witness to anyone. Let the devil get you to tell a lie sometimes and that thing will haunt you everywhere you go you move somewhere else and you'll think boy if anybody ever comes here and found out that i was lying I, oh man and, and you oh, all just like the man i read about the other night in the papers, he broke out of a work gang one time and escaped and he said for the about 15 or 16 years that he had been out of prison everywhere he went every time he saw a man with a dark suit on with his hair cut fairly short he Just stiffened up all over inside because maybe that's the FBI, maybe that's the police, maybe that's so. He just lived in constant pain and worry about getting caught. And that's just exactly the kind of a prisoner Satan wants to make out of us when we compromise and refuse to deal with sin. I think of young people who cheat in class. I remember when I was in Bible college and I wanted a good grade so badly in one of those classes. And I really knew the material. I knew that I knew that I knew the material. And I came up to this one section. I could not think of it. And I was going like this, trying to think of it. And as I looked down, for some reason, that paper looked awfully close over there at my neighbor's desk. And I thought, I know the answer to this. And I glanced over and came back. And I, all I saw was just the first letter and the answer on that person's page. I knew that. Of course I did. I wrote it down. Well, you don't dare tell. I mean... All you saw was the first letter. That's all you needed was to get it. Boy, I mean, I, I, God just shut me down. I, I could just feel it just like that. And I thought, Lord, that's just... A, and I began all the arguments as to why it look no big deal. I mean, that, that's not important, you know. I, I knew the answer anyway. I handed the paper in, got a fantastic grade, picked up the test paper, walking down the hallway, and God said, can't have that. What good does it do to have good grades if you aren't good inside? And after struggling and struggling and struggling with that thing on my knees before God, I got up, went back to my teacher, and I said, I've got to tell you something. And you know what the devil wanted me to tell him? All I did was look over and just look at that first letter. That's all I saw was just the first letter on that one answer. I had to say to myself that it was not a fair grade to me because I cheated. I saw someone else's paper. Well, I appreciate you telling me, Brother Joe. God will honor you for it A great big zero at the top of my paper That hurt But you know what The first reaction was the devil was to tell me Well that guy sure can't be a Christian for doing that to you Just because you cheated on one answer The wages of sin never comes back To the same proportion that you sow it It always comes back multiplied And it came back to me with a zero. Otherwise, if I'd have missed that question, I would have had a good grade on that test. But you see, when I walked out of there, first of all, I said, Lord, I thank you, as hard as it is, as much as I wanted that good grade, I thank you that you didn't let me go on without getting that straightened out. The devil would have brought that back to my mind. Yeah, and you're up there teaching, you're up there preaching, you're up there talking all the time about the Word of God and about walking in obedience to God's Word. And uh, you got a grade that you didn't even deserve. When it comes to stealing, same thing. You see, when you're truly born again of God's Spirit, His Spirit dwells within you, and He is called, what? Holy Spirit. Now, you know that name wasn't tagged on Him just as a nickname. That's His nature, holiness. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And if we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth dwelling within us, and He's in control of our lives... There is no such thing as little sin and big sin. It's all sin. It's all disobedience to God. And when you steal, it doesn't make any difference how small it is. You know, every time they've had a revival, a genuine Holy Ghost revival, no one had to tell the places of employment about it because they immediately felt the results of a genuine revival. Everybody started bringing back everything they ever stole, asking them, please forgive them. God convicted them of their sin and wrongdoing they brought them all back but you know it's a shame that it takes a revival for us to walk in obedience concerning stealing and there's a lot of ways that we can steal a lot of people say well that company's so big they never even miss it i mean for pity's sakes had a friend of mine that worked for a huge company and the federal government started investigating that company found out that everything they had to use on this federal job they got an override on it In other words, it was cost plus. Whatever it cost them to build that thing, they got that plus a profit. And they were taking bulldozers out in the back of the property and digging huge, huge, I mean, like blocks long and 25, 35-foot deep holes and buying all this equipment and shipping it in there and taking it down and burying it in these holes and covering them up. Well, they told the workers, if you see something there that you can carry and, you know, get it out of here, you might as well take it as far as that goes. It's either that or get buried. Well, if they're going to throw it away anyway, I might as well have it, you see, the thinking that took place in that company. And God was convicting this person, you know, I've got this at home, but that came out of that hole out there. And that was literally stealing. I joined in with my company in stealing. And when you do it, every time something is said from the word of God on that, the devil will be there to beat you with it until you get it settled, get it taken care of once and for all. in the area of anger, you know, Hey, I don't have to explain to you husbands and wives what it's like probably never happened to you but you ever known of any couples that have left home and on the way to church gotten into a fight big argument and they come walking in and after the service I said we need somebody to come and pray with these people their hands go in their pocket and they're down you know don't see me please what's happened Satan's been able to work on them, hasn't he? and they weren't willing out there in the car before they ever came in stop and say honey will you please forgive me Let's just bind Satan over us right now. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over you, Satan. And we're one in Christ, and you're not going to get victory over us. We're going to minister for the glory of God. If you came walking in in victory, knowing the devil had been defeated, and I say, I need someone for glory to God, how'd you come? You see, and that's why the devil likes to get us to compromise and not deal with or neglect to deal with unconfessed sin. Let's just look at a few verses that emphasize the necessity of having a clean conscience Acts 24 Acts 24:16 24, Paul was talking about the resurrection of the just and the unjust and in Acts 24:16 he says and herein do I exercise myself to have always a good conscience void of offence toward God and toward men why he just got through saying here In verse 15, And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. He says, realizing that there's going to be a resurrection one of these days, and believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to answer for every idle deed and every idle word that's been spoken, he says, I have seen fit since then to exercise myself what does it mean to exercise myself keep myself in shape in that area keep short books with God in that area to have a clear conscience a clean conscience toward God and man at all times he's that becomes part of my daily routine to make sure that I'm not going around with past offenses still riding in my heart and unconfessed sins still in my heart toward God look at first Timothy the first chapter first Timothy 1 Verse 18 This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Some have put away. Now, do you notice he didn't say had taken away? There comes a time when they decide not to exercise themselves, like Paul did. He says, So you hold on to this, keeping a good conscience. Turn back to Colossians, the third chapter. Verses 23 through 25. Colossians three twenty-three through 25. And whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Paul, writing to the church of Colossae here, says whatever you do your motivation should be doing it as unto the Lord I was recently counseling someone concerning their work I said you ought to do it with the understanding that when you got through Jesus Christ was going to inspect your work you ought to do your school studies as though when you got finished Jesus Christ was going to check your paper wouldn't that make a difference wouldn't that make a difference when you get done you ought to put your paper over on the side of the desk and say Lord you want to check that Somebody said he'd be probably be more merciful than my teacher is, huh? <laughs> Numbers 32, Numbers 32, 23. Now this is a story concerning the children of Gad and the children of Reuben when they were going in to possess the promised land. They were on the eastern side of the Jordan River and had not crossed over yet to go in and conquer the land. And they saw that the land there was wonderful for raising cattle and they had a lot of cattle. And so they went to Joshua and they said, Look, why can't we, the tribes of Reuben and Gad, stay right here, and then the rest of you can go on in and conquer the whole land, and you can have all the rest of it. We want this land. And Joshua said to them, Well, if you want this land, that's fine, but every man that can carry a sword has to go with us and go into the land and conquer all the land, and when all the land is conquered, then you can go back and settle down with your wives and children and enjoy your land too. But if you don't do that, If you don't do what we've told you to do, if you stay here and let your brethren go in and conquer the land and you don't help them while you live here in safety, you be sure your sin will find you out. Look at that in verse verse 23. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. When you and I talk about the possibility of allowing unconfessed sin to go unconfessed, we neglect to deal with it or refuse to deal with it, Mark it down, it will come out. We will have to deal, we will have to face that sin sooner or later. It will happen sooner or later. He says, be sure your sin will find you out. You see, God wants us to get rid of it because it won't come out like it started. It'll be bigger and mightier than when it was first set there and allowed to stay there. And let me tell you something else. Whenever we allow unconfessed sin to remain in our heart, it likes company. And so it begins to invite others in to accompany it and have part and parcel and party with it in us. That's why I tell people don't start lying because if you start lying you have to have a very good memory first of all and before long it becomes a second nature to you and you get yourself into a tremendous mess and that's why these commandments and these exhortations from the word of God are for our good. That's why he says, A good name is rather to be chosen. You show me someone who has a clean conscience toward God and man, and the first thing you'll notice, they'll be able to look you right in the eye. Secondly, you'll notice that there's a joy and a peace there that you don't find in the world. And you look at a person with a good name, with a clean conscience toward God and man, they say, Look at me, they'll look right at you. Yes, what can I do for you? There's no problem. Proverbs twenty eight, thirteen. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you want a good verse to put on your dashboard of your car, that's a good one to have every time you're going down the road and you have a tendency to have a heavy foot. You see, some people want to cover the speedometer, but it says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it, Shall have mercy. Take their foot off the foot feet. She'll have mercy. We need to apply this in every area of life. God says, don't cover it up. Expose it. Remember what happened to Achan? He sinned against the Lord. He buried it in his tent, and he covered it up. He thought that no one would know. And he thought, well, if I am exposed, I'll just confess and give it up. But the end result was that he and his wife and his family were all publicly stoned to death. And did Achan think about that when he first of all just took that first little Babylonian garment and the gold wedge and silver wedge or whatever it was and buried it under his tent? He hadn't thought about that. But the devil told him, oh, that'd be wonderful for you to have. You'll get a little bit of a nest egg So when you get into the land, you'll have something to start with, you know, and you'll just be one step ahead of the rest of them. And what's, what's just this little bit in comparison to all the rest of it that's here? The devil sure likes to rationalize, doesn't he? But you know, he never would have been able to have a clean conscience all the time he was living there. But what a heartache it must have been to see his family have to get involved in that same thing. And I've seen many a family go down the drain because of one man's sin or one woman's sin. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and be held in loving favor or esteem rather than silver and gold. May God grant us that we'll not be caught in any of these areas of compromise, but we'll walk in total obedience to his word every day. Father I thank you for the releasing power of the Holy Spirit through confession of sin and I realize that many times there are Christians Father that have come to you and have asked for forgiveness and cleansing who have allowed unconfessed sin to go on in their lives and the enemy has been defeating them and just beating them down continuously and I, Father I pray that tonight that they'll suddenly realize that the blessing that comes to a believer comes through obedience to his word to confess and to forsake that you might cleanse and forgive to humble ourselves and go back and say to those that we've offended or cheated or lied to or stolen from will you please forgive me I've asked God to forgive me will you please forgive me and if there's any way I can make it up to you please let me know I want to do anything I possibly can I really am sorry for the thing that I've done in your life or done to you And, Father, I realize that until we can come to that place, you said if we lift ourselves up or exalt ourselves, then you have to abase us or put us down and humble us. But if we will humble ourselves, judge ourselves that we need not be judged, and humble ourselves, then you will exalt us in due season. I thank you that the Lord Jesus was willing to be humbled and to become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, whereby you have exalted him and lifted him up and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring to our remembrances areas where we have allowed the enemy to cause us to compromise, whether it be anger or immorality or cheating or lying or stealing or whatever it might be. Father, vividly bring it to our mind and show us exactly what steps are necessary for us to have a clear conscience toward God and man. We don't want our sin to find us out. We want to find it out and deal with it. We want to receive mercy from you and we want to be in obedience that the blessings of God will be our portion day by day. And that when people speak of us, they'll say there is a man or a woman. No matter what they say, if they've said it, you can count on it. It will always be right. And you can say all you want about that person's wrongdoing, but I know them and they would not do that. They have a good name. They're a moral Christian. They love the Lord and you cannot convince me that they ever allowed that in their lives because I've known them too long. Father, with that kind of reputation, I know that when problems and hurts and heartaches come to our neighbors and friends that they're going to come our way realizing that we have found an answer even as one declared here tonight that in times of trouble their loved one calls them for prayer they know that there's reality there and I I ask Father that our lives will be so clean and upright before you that we'll not be snared by the words of our mouths but by our own choosing we'll be bound so we'll be careful what we say yes about and what we'll say no about that you might be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.